you stand with us as we join singing together this morning. He has done great things. Come let us worship. Come let us worship the King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You freed every captive. You break every chain. indeed accomplished many great things in our lives individually and also uh, within our church family. My name's Fred Holcomb. I'm the worship leader here at Grace, and we're excited that you've joined us for this time of worship today. 
We are in the midst of our um, missions emphasis month, and we'll be hearing from uh, some missionaries again this morning, and we're excited about hearing and seeing what God is doing around the world. Uh, before we pray together and, and sing uh, some more, I uh, just want to encourage you to continue to pray for the Hostetter family. Um, most of you know that Jim uh, Hostetter passed away last uh, Sunday, uh, kind of during our time of worship um, at, his, at his home. But uh, the private funeral was yesterday and the burial as well. So just continue to lift them up. We also want to continue to pray for others in our church family that are struggling with some physical issues, maybe emotional, spiritual issues as well. But some of those you'll see in your bulletin and you can pray for them as the Lord brings those um, requests to your mind. And then we also had a great uh, turnout last night, I understand, at Trunk or Treat. And uh, you'll be hearing a little bit about that uh, in a few minutes toward, or in a little bit at the end of the service. As we uh, continue our service, I want to read a portion of scripture for you, and then I'm going to pray with you, and we're going to sing again. From Philippians chapter 2, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we want to do that this morning. We want to raise and lift the name of Jesus high. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you for how it ministers to our hearts, how it encourages, instructs, and, and guides us. We thank you so much for that. We're thankful that we can meet this morning for worship. We're thankful that we can sing praises and lift your name high, for you have done great things in our lives. And we also bless you, Lord, and bless your name today and recognize that your name is above every name that we can think or speak. And we're so thankful for that and you deserve all of the praise. So Lord, we pray that our words and our actions would be a sweet aroma to you today. And we pray those things in Jesus' holy name, amen. Would you stand with me again as we continue singing Psalm 150, praise the Lord. starry holes, you trace the mountain peaks, you paint the evening skies with wonder. The earth it is your throne, from desert to the sea, all nature testifies your splendor. Your voice, you hide to 
trust you, we can cling to you, we can lean into you because you are holy and for eternity, forever. God, thank you that we can trust in your goodness, your graciousness, your faithfulness, your love, your justice in a time that we just don't really understand things. We know that you are fair and you are a good God. So we're thankful for that, Lord. Thank you for your word and what you're gonna do in our hearts today that would draw us and mold us to be like you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Great singing this morning, church, and uh, appreciate the opportunity for us to get together again. I'm Pastor Adam Love, Senior Pastor here at Grace, and for those of you that are visiting with us, we welcome you. Hope that uh, your time with us will be a, a refreshing time. Uh, today, uh, we come to uh, a part of our mission emphasis where we get the opportunity to hear from, it's an interesting kind of dichotomy of sorts. We have the, the Gebberts who are sharing with us a life of ministry, who are uh, coming kind of off of full-time service in that capacity. And then we have the Glodfelters who are launching out into ministry. And I, I just love the, the season aspect of that and what God is doing in this and excited to have them uh, with us. And we'll be sharing just briefly in just a minute. Before we do that, there's something I would like to do here at Grace for just a minute. If you have served in a full-time capacity, vocational ministry uh, in mission work, I mean, whether it be as a, a director of a mission agency or on a mission field, uh, whether you're currently in that capacity uh, or if it is something that even as retired, if you served in any way in missions, vocation, would you stand where you are? And some of you might need to help the person beside them stand up, all right? Okay, recognize these, amen. All right, thank you, you can be seated. Now, if you have 
served in maybe an extended, like uh, in a mission capacity where you're doing a, what we would say like as a short-term mission, but I'm talking maybe months or even a year or longer. Is anyone like that? Have you served in that way somewhere on a field, maybe for a semester in college you went and you served or anyone like that? If you would stand where you are, if anyone like that. Okay. All right. Thank you, Tom. Okay. Thank you. Okay. One of the neat things that I love about Grace is that our missionaries not only are in other places, but it's been neat to see how God has brought so many missionaries back to stay and to serve with us here. And when we talk about the heartbeat of missions being something that is a part of the DNA of Grace, it's not just simply something that we try to conjure up. It is who we are. It is something that's a makeup of what we are as a church. We believe that if we as a church lose our vision of the world, we will lose our vision for the front door opportunities. At the same time, if we lose our mission in the front door opportunities, we will also lose our vision for the world. It doesn't have to be, and it is not meant to be a one or another. It is meant to be a joint effort of seeing us as a church passionate about the souls of mankind. And we're grateful that the Lord allows us as a church to send out, Brother Gabriel was talking about well over 20 missionaries are part of our Grace Church that we send out, a part of our extended ministry to the world beyond. But we have a very large mission charter obligation to people that we faithfully support as a church, not just as individuals, and I know there are many here that have missionaries that you support individually, but as a church, we have decided to invest a lot of our monetary resources, our time and our energies into missions. And so for us to take this entire month to dedicate an emphasis really upon missions is not a small feat, but it is something that I hope that for those of you that are maybe a little bit newer to Grace, you'll appreciate it. it is truly a passion of ours to be able to see people around the world as much as right here in Chattanooga reached for the glory of Christ. I'm gonna ask the Kleises if you would to stand over here. This is Jonathan Noella. You've seen them here for the past several months and uh, these individual people together as a couple with their family, Luke going back with them to Italy in the near future have sought to become part of Grace's community, not just to be a part of our missionary list that we send and help them get to the field, but to make Grace their home. And on Sunday next week, November 5th, we're going to be voting on that very thing as to what our intention is towards them and our endeavor to come beside them, to support them, and to pray for them as well as effectively support them. And so I want you to be a prayer for them. They're going to be gone on November the 5th. I think that was kind of a matter of convenience there. But at the same time, they're going to be in a missions conference and spending time with their daughter for her birthday up in Michigan. So pray for them. But I want you to remember these people and this is a, a newer opportunity for us to support and to be thinking about our ministry opportunities in the country of Italy but most importantly to them personally and uh, so be in prayer with us as we think about that thank you, you may be seated they're going to be here with us through December and uh, just a time it's been sweet to get to know them and to fellowship with them and I want to encourage you to make sure you have them into your home get to t opportunity to interact with them uh, they have been such a blessing to my heart, and I appreciate them having desire to join with us and to allow us the opportunity to support them if that is our desire as a church come next week. Well, I'm going to have uh, Cody Gladfelter come. Cody is not a stranger to us. 
but uh, he recently decided to add to the family unit to dynamic. And uh, so I'm going to ask him to come and he's going to share just briefly a little bit about what's going on in his world. And uh, he'll mention as well, but I'm going to state it here right now. Uh, he has an opportunity to share very fully uh, in the next hour, uh, really the, the full extent. And so share us a little bit, if you would, about what's going on in your world. Okay. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? There it is. Uh, good morning, church. It does my heart really good to see this many people here. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Cody Glaufelter. My wife, Courtney, is sitting with me. There she has her hand raised. And my little son, Judah, he was five months old, is with her. So um, we're really excited to be here. So we are pre-field missionaries to Thailand, to northern Thailand. And if you know my parents, Ed and Carmen, it's the same region that they're going to be in. It's actually going to be the same city. So that's where, um, that's where we're headed. And right now we're on a, about a two month tour from, right now we're currently based in Missouri. So we have gone from Missouri to Michigan and we just got finished a huge missions conference up there. And now we're here and after here we're going up to Pennsylvania for another church conference. And then we're going up to Maine for three church conferences. So we just kind of started our little um, tour. We're calling it the Judah tour because everybody has to meet Judah. So it's, especially my family who live up in Maine. Um, but just really briefly, I just wanna thank all you guys um, for the support. Grace has been my home for, since I was a, a kid, a baby. I'm hearing all these stories about people putting me in nursery or watching me in nursery. So that's kind of interesting to think about. Because <laughs> my son's about to go into the nursery to here soon as well. So. Uh, anyways, I just want to thank all you guys, and I hope you guys can make it for the 11 o'clock um, service, and we'll be sharing a lot more deeply in what we do. But thank you. Thank you, Cody. Good to have you with us. All right, so plan on that, and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing more about what God has in store for them and their ministry uh, in the future here. Now, I don't know if you've noticed it, but today is Big Church Sunday. And uh, so Brother Gabbard, you've got a tough audience in front of you here this morning, all right? And uh, you, if you're sensing that somebody's a little bit distracted and they got that mean look, it's probably because the kids just dumped the, the crayon, box of crayons down on the floor. So don't, don't take that personally or anything like that. All right, but Brother, you come ahead and uh, I'm so grateful to have you and the ministry that God has given to you over the years. And uh, tell us a little bit about that, but at the same time, share with us what God has on your heart for us. And uh, you've got to, you know, about another 30, 35 minutes here, okay? okay? All right. Great. Thank Thanks, you, brother. Appreciate it. Once upon a time, yeah, it's on there. Yeah, I think so. Once upon a time, there was a little town in the middle of nowhere. You guys can, some of you can relate to that. And in that town, there lived a little boy who went to church who thought he was a Christian. And what he wanted in life was to be comfortable and to be respected and to have a good job. And so he went off to college and in a circle of friends, there was a real Christian. First one he'd ever met. And within a year, he gave his life to Christ. And he started to read books about missions. And he got interested in missions. He had wanted to be a doctor and he found out he could be a medical missionary. That little boy from that little town was me. And that woman who introduced him to Jesus Christ is sitting right here is my wife. 
We have been with ABWE for 34 and a half years. I'm 69 years old, and it's time to, to move on and make room for people like Cody and his wife. And it's so good to have that and to see it in front of us. We decided that we wanted to use medicine to reach unreached people groups. And that was a way to get into those countries. So for the last three and a half decades, we served first in West Africa, uh, ran a hospital and a church planting ministry there, and then served and lived in Europe and the Middle East and Amman, Jordan. And after that, uh, did a lot of work in the Stan countries who are Muslim background countries uh, in Central Asia. And most recently, I've been uh, the executive director over South Asia, which is six Muslim countries in Asia with 700 million Muslims. That's over a third of the, of, of the world's Muslims. And it's been a challenge, it's been a delight, it's been a joy. We've had enjoyed it immensely. Uh, we've been associated with this church for decades and we appreciate you. Many people have seen us this morning have already said we've been praying for you. They haven't said, I saw you in the nursery, but they have been praying for us, and we appreciate that. Uh, 2010, Jan had a devastating illness in Istanbul, Turkey, and miraculously survived. Um, then over the years, the damage to her lungs took another toll, and in 2020, uh, COVID time, she had 15 operations over about two years. She prayed for that and more miracles, and she's doing really well. And I just, we are grateful to you for praying for us. Really, thank you, thank you. Last fall, I made two trips within a month to Asia, to two of those countries that I oversaw. And I often thought, who was the idiot that made my travel schedule? And that was me, of course. And, um, you know, jet lag and 10 to 12 time zones and, and we did hot really well in Africa. We didn't have electricity uh, in our house for the first four years, and it'd be 100 degrees in the house, and we got used to that type of stuff. And so I was walking across the hospital campus uh, of this country, in the country where I oversee a team, and they have internet of all things, okay? And so it's the first afternoon, and I am grumpy, like good and grumpy, you know, headache, you know, nothing's going right that day and tripping on stones, you name it. And I thought, it's just hot. That's, that's why I'm feeling this way. And so I took out my, my phone, because I had internet, and I looked at the weather channel, and I expected to see something more than I did, and I looked and it says 91 degrees. It's like, that's not hot. And then I read the fine print. Feels like 108 I was like, oh yeah, okay, there's a reason to be grumpy here. There's a reason to be grumpy. Well, that third world country is unreached. And pastor, I'm gonna give you this book. But this book has given me new words for unreached. And I've been serving in unreached places for 34 and a half years. It's called A Third of Us, it's by Marvin Newell. And, oh man, I forgot to at least show you a picture. That was like rookie years, okay? That's a babe in arms and five little girls and that was like two months after we hit West Africa. So that's, that, that's like rookie stuff. He gave us these words, three no's. No Bibles, 
no churches, no Christians. That's what unreached areas are like. And what I mean by that, now you've all got a Bible on your phone, probably, with thousands of versions on it, that's the way it is. But how many physical Bibles do you have? Do you have five Bibles? Yeah, yeah, 10, yeah, 20. Yeah, and I could probably go on. But these places have no physical Bible. Now imagine that, it's, it, it's really amazing. No churches. Now Chattanooga has got a lot of churches and you went by a lot of churches to come to this really good church, okay? But there are churches that preach the gospel here and you see them and that's part of our culture to see a church and you know what that means. No churches, no visible churches where we have been, and no Christians. Now, when we lived in Amman, Jordan, oftentimes I get asked, are you an American? Yeah. Are you Christian? Yeah. You know what? I've never met a Christian. I've got some questions for you. That's what these places are like, those three no's. And that country that I was in that day, that it was so hot, is a hundred and 78 million people in the size of the state of Iowa, okay? Everybody east of the Mississippi in Iowa, okay? The capital has 22 million people. Now, I'm a maps guy and a numbers guy, and I like that type of stuff. And so I looked up Chattanooga. The Chattanooga metro area is six counties, three in Georgia, I think, three in Tennessee, and there's 540,000 people with a population density of 250 people per square mile, okay? Now, if we take that down to the city, 150 square miles, there's 185,000 people, and the population density is 1,300 people per square mile. The capital of this country, 22 million people and 180 square miles, is 96,000 people per square mile. To equal that, we would have to take Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, and South Carolina and put them in downtown Chattanooga. Is people everywhere. People that God knows. People that aren't anonymous to him, but were anonymous to me on a regular basis. And that's the challenge that we face, is people everywhere how in the world can they hear? How can they hear? Now, I'm gonna take you to the, the last of the Great Commission passages, but I wanna make a stop first. And I wanna to go to the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this is one you know, we won't spend a whole lot of time uh, on, this, on this, but I think that we need to think about neighbors. I told you, there's 22 million people, it's like four states population down in Chattanooga. How do you get to know them? What do you do with that? Well, Luke 10, 25 through 37, here's the first paragraph. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, that's Jesus, to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, 
You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. This man got it. What are the two great commandments? Love God, love your neighbor. That's the whole law in just two commandments. Who's my neighbor? Miss Stinson was an old woman, probably younger than me at the time, but an old woman who lived down the street and four of us would go down there in the summertime when it was hot and sit in her cool living room and eat candy and talk with Miss Stinson. She was my neighbor. And I knew people on the streets around me in that little town. They were my neighbors. But this lawyer is going to ask a question here and Jesus is going to answer differently than that. This lawyer in verse 29 says, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Doesn't tell us who this guy was, probably Jewish. And he fell among the robbers. And I think that's a distance of like 20 miles, 25 miles, something like that. And the road was not like Interstate 75 or even the road out here in front of this church. It was like the roads we had in Africa. Probably about this wide, dirt, maybe some stone from the Roman pavements, maybe not. Horse carts, horses, mules, people walking. That's what we see here. We're not gonna pass this guy very quickly. They stripped him, they beat him, they departed, leaving him half dead. And now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw that person, he passed by on the other side. This is a religious guy. This is like a pastor. That's how we can relate to him. And he deviates around. The next guy, a Levite, another religious guy, does the same thing, verse 33, but a Samaritan, enemies of the Jews. So this is your enemy, like the Soviet Union used to be when I was growing up, okay? Your enemy, a Samaritan as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. And I've read this over and over. And he took care of him. He just didn't drop him off at the inn. He had already done first aid on him. And then he takes care of him all evening long, all night long. And the next day, he took out two denarii, I don't know what the average wage is here in America, but this is two days wages, okay? This is 100, 150, 200 bucks, maybe more that he took out, and he gave it to the innkeeper. And he said, whatever you spend, I will repay when I come back. So Jesus says to the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. That's a broader definition than mine. That's a more extensive definition than mine. It's not just my person living next door. This is my fellow human being who I have an opportunity to show compassion upon. That's what neighbors are. That expands neighbors potentially to the entire world. And so I told you we were going to go to Acts 1.8, just one verse. But you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be 
excuse me, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the end of the earth. I think the point of this parable is this. These people should be my neighbors. I think that's what God is saying to us. These people should be my neighbors. And this is the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. This is important stuff. Now, the world is spoken of in Acts 1.8. And so I got to thinking, what's the world, okay? So we think geopolitical, okay? How many nations are there in the world? 195, 193 belong to the UN, and then you have the Vatican and Palestine that are observer nations. But there's 204 nations recognized by the the Olympic Committee, and there's 254 nations that actually have a a name that aren't in, so is it that? I don't think so. I think what he's saying here about nations, we should take a look back all the way to Abraham, okay? Genesis 12, God's talking to Abraham. And he says, I will bless those who bless you, familiar stuff, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That word family means tribe or clan, okay? So we can get nations from that type of thing, but think tribe or clan, Who are these now, tribes and clans? Well, we think in missions ethno-linguistically. Ethno, you know. It's just who you are. I'm I'm like German and and Polish and, you know, I'm, I'm a mix, okay? Some of you are the same, okay? Linguistic, what do I speak, okay? So there's a boundary as far as I can go with what I speak. Those are what we call people groups, tribes and clans and nations. There are 17,468 distinct people groups in the world and there are 7,391 unreached people groups. No Bible, no church, no Christians that they're seeing. And that's what's included, I think, in the scope of Acts 1.8. Now, we can look at some more language in the Bible and I think it's important that we do. Revelation 7.9, this is heaven. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, okay, we got that, from all tribes and peoples and languages, we just got that, standing before the throne and before the land, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. They are in heaven. They are the redeemed. They are worshiping God from every nation and tribe and language and people. So then my question goes this, how'd they get there? I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around 22 million people down in Chattanooga who I'm supposed to get to know. How'd they get there? Well, how then, this is Romans chapter 10 verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Three questions, one answer. Someone must go. 
That's how that happens. Someone's gotta go. They're here in Chattanooga, they're here right outside your front door, and they're around the world. Someone has got to go. For these people to be in heaven, everybody represented, someone had to treat them as a neighbor. Someone had to have compassion on them. Someone had to have interest in them, just like that woman had interest in me, had interest in my soul, cared for me. That's what it takes. I told you, Acts 1.8 is the last of the Great Commission passages. Ooh, that's a bad slide, I'm sorry. John 20, and then Luke, uh, Mark 16, Matthew 28, Luke 24, and then we finally get to Acts 1.8. So this is, this is God telling us what we should do in the world, and this is like the crown of it, okay? So 40 days after the resurrection, you'll receive power, you'll be my witnesses, and this is the place, okay? I think that Jesus is giving us three promises here, okay? The promises power from the Holy Spirit, we're gonna be his witnesses, and there's a strategic plan involved here. Jesus has a strategic plan. So let's look carefully at it, okay? That's where we're gonna spend the rest of our 15 minutes or so. Robert Glover said, Christian missions are no human undertaking, but are a supernatural and divine enterprise, which God has provided supernatural power for and leadership, okay? You heard that supernatural a couple times in there. Power from the Holy Spirit, we are misled if we think we can do this ourselves because the task is too big and the enemy is way too strong, way too strong. Now, we are not gaining ground on the world. The world has become a smaller place because of communications, but when Jesus walked the earth, there was estimated to be 300 million people. In the year 1800, the world hit a billion. In the year 1960, it hit three billion. And in last year, 2022, it hit eight billion. Of those, 900 million are estimated to be Christians. 7.1 billion. We are not gaining on this, folks. We are losing ground as I stand here. This task is way too big. The enemy is too strong. This is really a spiritual battle, and those of you who have traveled the world, especially Muslim countries, even a place like Thailand, you feel the oppression when you hit those countries, the spiritual oppression that you don't necessarily feel here in North America. And you need to be ready for that in these type of countries. Now, I could tell you about a young couple, I will, in fact, a young couple, church planters, trained as church planters, pastor on a staff here in the United States for a number of years, went to one of the countries that I oversee, Muslim country, dark, and within a year, they were home. Depression, night terrors, kids just not, it was horrible. Now they're back, but they had to learn some things about spiritual oppression. When we served in the Middle East, it was a particularly bad month for missionaries in that country. And you know, we sit right next to Israel. What were the sacrifices of children that happened on that soil? What were, I, I don't know, okay? But that was a dark month. 
and the team leader's wife found the team leader, 2 a.m., in the living room, all the lights on, and he's in a fetal position, crying in the corner. That's spiritual oppression. In Africa, I'd go pray over our kids. We had illnesses, we had fires, we, until we learned how to walk in that environment. That's one end of a spectrum. But we get power from the Holy Spirit, and he showed up. Now, I don't wanna gloss over this, but how do you get power from the Holy Spirit? Okay, I'm talking about power from the Holy Spirit, but you're going, yeah, right. How do you get power from the Holy Spirit? Well, I think there's a couple things to, to think about. Number one, you gotta be in the right position. You gotta be a child of the king. You gotta be on a, on a first name basis with your father. And you gotta be walking in that. that that's just, you, you gotta be walking with God, okay? That's really important. So that's number one, okay? Number two, respond when he's leading you, okay? Now, when we served in Africa, we had malaria, okay? We had deadly malaria called cerebral malaria. Half the people die when they get cerebral malaria, and it's usually children and pregnant ladies, and so I took care of about 500 cases of severe malaria a year in Africa. When people would come to our hospital, our house was right next door, it was proper to greet Okay, and so I'm taking care of this, well, it was one, not just one kid, but the grandmother came to the door of our house and Jan knew her, she was her language helper. She was not a believer, she was particularly severe on Jan's language learning, and Jan was a really good language student, okay? But this lady would put her down, she was tough, okay? And she said, my grandson's in the hospital, he's seizing, and when they would come in seizing, it was a bad sign, and would you come down and see him? Well, of course, she came down, and she entered the room, and there's a guy sitting there with a long beard and a cap, he's the Muslim leader from their village, and the little child, his mother, and Jan and the grandmother. And Jan feels this prompting from the Holy Spirit, you need to pray for healing for this little guy. Jan was like, no, nah, no, nah, not so much, no. A couple minutes later, she feels the prompting again. And she, this time she says to God, you know, this is gonna be really embarrassing for you when he doesn't get better, God. You know, not good, not good, no. Third time, he prompts again. And she goes, okay. So in her best wolf, she prays for this little guy in front of the, the imam and in Jesus' name. She listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. This little guy got well. Now, you know, she listened. Now, it's not always that complicated. How often during the day does God say to me, be kind, be friendly, Speak to that person. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, going, please do this. And sometimes he says, you gotta tell that person about me. That's what it's like. And he promises power to do that. When you do that, it starts to become a natural thing and God gives you that power. So that's what we're talking about. Power from the Holy Spirit. That's number one, essential. Number two, God 
uses us as his human instruments. He does not have to do this, folks. Adoniram Judson was one of the first North American missionaries. He served in Burma, which is now Myanmar. He lost two wives there and three children. And this is what he said about humility in ministry. And this is kind of old language, but I think you're gonna get it. Oh, when will Christians learn that their puny, polluted offerings of works are not necessary to God? God permits them, us, to work as a favor in order to do us good personally because he loves us and desires to honor us, not because he needs us. We were just singing about that holy God who loves us, who wants to use us, and he gives us a message. He commissioned that message. He paid for that message in blood. And the message is not a hard message. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He died. He was resurrected. And in his stead, in his sacrifice, he offers us redemption and freedom in Christ. That's it. That's the message. And that message sets people free. Power from the Holy Spirit, the message. What did Peter and John and Paul do? Power from the Holy Spirit, message. How many churches planted? I don't know. Thousands of, thousands of believers. That's what they did. Okay, come a little bit closer. We got people like Martin Luther, William Tyndale, William Carey, D.L. Moody, Jim Elliott. How'd they do it? Same way. Power from the Holy Spirit, message. Come a little bit closer. We did a lot of work in the Stan countries, okay? Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, land of. Land of the Uzbeks, land of the Tajiks, okay? Oppressed. The Soviet Union falls. There are 500 believers in Central Asia, millions of people, 500 believers. Within 10 years, there are 30,000 believers. We got to go, we met a house church association, they had five leaders. There were 500 people in this association of house churches, 30 house churches, very oppressed, a number of mission agencies working with them. Within five years, there's 1,500 believers and 80 churches. Oppressed, they can't even speak on the phone, Christianese, okay? Those people, power of the Holy Spirit. The message, those people, when I look back over 35 years of ministry, there are heroes. Underground Bible College. We were in the capital and we were touring the central mosque. And a lot of those countries will have a central mosque. Big thing. A university connected with it. And we're in the gift store of the university. And the professors of the university are running the gift store. And Jan's standing with, uh, we, we were there with one of the leaders and his wives. And Jan's standing with the wife, and I'm overlooking at something. And Jan hears, okay, and, and not in a language she understands, but she hears this rhythm. And she looked at Dilfusa and, and she said, did Ranva just say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? And the wife goes, yeah, yeah. And here we are. Fearless. That guy was arrested a couple weeks later. Went to jail. Paid heavy fines. Out doing the same things again. 
okay? Those people are asking us people here just to join them with the power of the Holy Spirit and the message of Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Now I told you there's a strategic plan. And to me, that strategic plan, I should show you the verse again here. That strategic plan involves abundance. Abundance, all right? One of the best weeks I ever spent of my camping life, I was a counselor at a a Christian camp and it was um, intellectually disabled camp. And I had 10 guys in my cabin and there were a lot of intellectually disabled there. And imagine yourself summertime, kind of a day like today up north. I mean, this is, this is like a summer day. Breeze blowing through the air, birds singing, sunshine coming through. It's early morning, gravel crunching under your feet and you're on the way to breakfast, okay? And Andrew, he did this every day. Andrew said, Harry, when's breakfast? Right now, Andrew. And he said, and when's lunch? I said at noon. And dinner? Five o'clock. And then, I heard this 10 times a day. And snacks as well? I said, yeah, Andrew, snacks as well. That's abundance. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks as well. Well, here we are. Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Three geographic places, three immense cultural distinctions, three language contexts. It's the table of contents for the book of Acts. Acts one through eight, Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria, eight through 12. 13 through 28, it's the, it's the nations, it's everything else. Jesus does something different here, big, okay? In the Old Testament, you had to come to Jerusalem. You had to sacrifice in Jerusalem to have sins forgiven. You had to do it in Hebrew. You had to do it in that cultural context. And what Jesus says here is, "Uh uh-uh, no more. Here's my strategy. Everywhere, anytime, any language, it's open. People can come to know me because of that message of, I came, I died, I was rose again, and you have life available in my name. That can happen anywhere. Now, this is important. This is not three consecutive steps, and that's how we usually read it. Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and then the other most parts of the world. You see the ands there? I've been trying to read it that way the whole time. Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Right here, nearby, far away, at the same time. That takes a church. That takes a church like this one that is sending to the nations and that takes individuals who will say, yeah, I'll go. Now here's the other thing. Every one of these places has equal value. And I think we need to remember this. One is not stressed over the other. This is just one sentence, and, and, and. One is not valued more than another. They're happening at the same time with the same intensity. It takes a church and it takes individuals. That's Jesus' promises right there. Power from the Holy Spirit, a message, and I'll give you abundantly the world because I came and bought that world. 
So how do we wrap our heads around this? The nations are my neighbor. Jesus gives us power and a message to reach the nations. So what's that mean? It means I'm gonna take my spot. I got a spot, all right? And for 34 and a half years, our spot has been six different spots around the world, always with Muslims, always in a closed country, always you know, doing that type of stuff. And now, 69 years old, we get a new spot. We're gonna be in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, near three of our daughters and 11 of our grandchildren. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna actually join a church and be good church members. I told pastor earlier this morning, I'm not dependable. I'm here three out of eight Sundays because I'm traveling all over the place and doing that type. We're gonna be dependable. We're gonna know our family and we're gonna invest in a community. That's gonna be my spot. So your question for this morning, where's your spot? Here, nearby, far away? It takes a church, so how can I support others while they're interacting with the world? That's one thing. And you have done it graciously, thank you. Your support has let us minister freely around the world. Thank you. We support, we pray, we encourage. Second, we get ready. Are you ready? What do you need to do to get ready? But thirdly, and I suspect it's the case for many of you here, you're already serving. This is your spot. Invest heavily. Invest with the power of the Holy Spirit. Invest with the right message. And do it intensively as a church. That's what he's saying. Human instruments in God's hand with God power, that's your spot. Would you please serve with intensity? And thank you for all these years that you've enabled us to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this message of redemption in Jesus Christ. Thank you for calling each one of us and giving us power and a message. Thank you for this church reaching Chattanooga and reaching around the world. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Harry. I appreciate that. As he was talking there uh, just this week, it reminded me of a, a situation I ran into. I, I had to go into a situation and I didn't like some of the information I was getting. I was getting a little frustrated. And I happened to be wearing one of our church T-shirts. And I'm sitting there in front of this person, or standing in front of this person, and my demeanor was getting a little bit more sour. And I'm thinking, oh, my word, all the days to pick to wear the church T-shirt. And I, I walked over and I had to wait on something and I sat down over here and I was thinking, why did it have to be the shirt that reminded me I'm a Christian? That my demeanor should have been positive because Christ dwelling inside of me, not because I was wearing the t-shirt to prove it. And I think that's exactly some of the point of what he's making. It shouldn't be because we're wearing a t-shirt. It should be because Christ is indwelling us. We have the Holy Spirit. And that we represent him well with the message that the world needs to hear and that we plan daily for God to give us opportunities to see where that message can be expressed and shared. I hope that God will convict our hearts and convince us, and maybe the t-shirt just is the icing on the cake if the Lord gives us that opportunity. Let's stand together, we're gonna sing a closing song.
And in a little bit, I'm going to ask that uh, the Gebbards and even Gladfelters go back to the four-year there just so that people have an opportunity to interact with you as uh, we make our time here and go into the fellowship time and things. But I hope that our hearts will be stirred as we sing this song, as we think about it. If God's challenging your heart for your part in the plan, in the strategic plan, and maybe it's not Chattanooga, maybe it's somewhere else, and God has been impressing upon you and you've been not listening. Maybe today you'll listen. Maybe God will open your heart and your mind to receive his word for service. Let's sing together. I was a wretch I remember who I was. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Sin separated, the breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your side. So you made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt i owe broke my chains freed my soul for the first time i had Stronger than the wonder working power. 
Sandy Gramacki, and I am the elementary director here at Grace. I have a few short announcements before we head into our fellowship time this morning. After enjoying some coffee and donuts in the fellowship hall in the next few minutes, we will have our discipleship hour. This week, all adult classes and the youth group will meet back in here in the auditorium to hear more from the God Felters. And at the end of the time, we will have a Q&A with all of our visiting missionaries. We also want to remind you that our quarterly business meeting and ministry update is coming up next sun Saturday, Sunday, next Sunday, don't come on Saturday, at four o'clock. One important thing that will take place at the meeting is a vote to take on the Kleist family as Grace missionaries. We've been getting to know this family over the past several months and praying about becoming their sending church. Please come ready for the vote this coming Sunday. We have several things going on in the foyer right now that you can sign up for and participate in. One item I want to highlight is the food drive for choices that's coming up. Our WANA ministry is working together to collect food for these baskets, but one part we're asking our church to be involved in is in giving $25 grocery gift cards, Publix, Food City, Walmart, um, to go along with the baskets. So if that's something that you'd like to be a part of, check your bulletin for more information and we'll be collecting those for the next couple, couple uh, weeks, not months. Finally, we had our second community-wide trunk or treat last night and we are praising God for the opportunity we had to love, encourage, and connect with so many of our neighbors. Many of you were involved in this event and we had such a wonderful team serving together last night. Thank you, thank you. We had 27 trunks handing out candy, many teams and adults running games and face painting and balloon animals and delivering candy, two extra emergency candy runs to the store, at least 440 kids, so around 1,000 people coming through, and 170 cars parked in our construction site. Last night, I counted over 150 ballots that voted on their favorite trunk. The winner receives, receives a $25 gift card and all the prestige and renown for the next year. The trunks were amazing and the votes were all over the board, but one in particular ran away with it. And when you have a baby and an eye patch, it's really no match. So congrats to the Gilmores and their pirate trunk. Thank you for joining us this morning. We look forward to spending time together in the Fellowship Hall with coffee and pastries, and we'll see you back here at 11. You are dismissed.